Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Got legal questions? She's got the answers. It's time for Lisa on the Law, now on WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. Hi, it's Lisa, and we are uh, doing this new feature called Lisa on the Law. And just to be very, very clear, I'm not your lawyer. I'm not representing you in any matter. In fact, I would venture to say that if you call me and ask me for advice, I don't know your name. I don't know your real town. I don't know your real name, and that's all good. The purpose of this is to give generalized information about the law as far as I know it to people to guide them about how best to resolve their problems. So this is not legal advice in the sense of lawyer to client. None of this is confidential, obviously, or it would not be on the air. Barbara, hello. Welcome, and thank you for calling today. Hi, Barbara. How can I help you? Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my husband recently passed away. It was a second marriage, and we kept our finances separate. He died with credit card debt, which he was trying to pay off. His, my name is not on any of his credit card or bank accounts. He passed with just a few thousand dollars in his bank account, and he owned a car with worth only maybe a few thousand dollars. I'm the beneficiary of his pensions, and I have two questions. One, am I responsible for his credit card debt? And also, do I need to go through probate for anything? Okay. So, first of all, just a ground rule, Barbara, you are in the state of Connecticut, correct? Correct. Okay, good. So, the, the sh- I will give you the answer to both questions. First of all, let me just say I'm sorry you lost your husband. Thank I'm you. sorry about that. So, with respect to the credit card debt, the only credit card debt that you would be responsible for as a surviving spouse would be credit card debt that you have personally signed for. And okay. Well, what, I didn't sign for anything. Right. So you're not responsible. You're not. And I wouldn't worry about it. And although you may get a lot of different letters from credit card companies for a while, they will eventually go away when the credit card company realizes that they cannot get money from an estate that doesn't exist. Now, they are a creditor of an estate. So if you open an estate because the estate has probatable assets, then they would be entitled to come ahead of a beneficiary like yourself as the wife 
or what we call an heir at law like yourself as the wife because creditors come ahead of people that are gifted money, right? People that Mm -hmm. are owed money come ahead of people that are gifted money. So the first answer to your question is no, you personally do not have to pay the credit card companies as long as what you're saying is true and you didn't sign for the debt. End of story. Okay? Okay. Now, the second thing about whether or not you have to open an estate for probate is a little bit more complicated. So let me just ask you, okay? Mm -hmm. First question, items in your husband's own name, the car, for example, what's the car worth? The car is only worth maybe $3,000. Okay. And you said that there were some miscellaneous bank accounts. Were any of them in your husband's own name? Yes. Did they amount to altogether collectively... More than $37,000 at this point? Oh, gosh, no. 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 Okay. And the reason I ask that is because in Connecticut, 40000 is the magic number. Uh-huh. 40000 is the number. Uh, if you have something of 40000 or over, then you have to file what we call a full estate. And if mm-hmm. it's under 40000 you could get away with what we call a small estate. Even in a small estate, however, sometimes creditors have to be paid. So let's talk about that. Okay. Okay. So, um, first of all, the the best resource for learning about probate in Connecticut is actually the probate court website itself, which is a marvelous website, and it's known as probate. It's known as ctprobate.gov. Ctprobate.gov. It has all the forms. It has a lot of explanation about procedures. It has a lot on it. And so Mm -hmm. if I mention a form to you, you don't have to go to the library. You don't have to go to your town. You can literally look it up online at ctprobate.gov. And did I say org? I meant gov. ctprobate.gov. And you can find it there. Okay. So for in order to get your husband's car out of his name into your name, you have to do that in probate court. There has to be a mechanism for that. You understand, right? Because otherwise... DMV will say, I'm sorry, I don't know who this car belongs to, but you can't sell it. It belonged to your husband, right? Right. So you're going to have to go to probate court, and you're going to have to list the car on a, on a document. And the document is called a PC-212. Okay. P, P is in probate, C is in court. Probate court, PC-212. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... Another document called a PC-212A will be more applicable. If you read both of them, you'll see why. You'll, you'll see which one is more applicable to you. Anyway, okay. okay? And you'll write down the bank account, and you'll write down the car, and there'll be another part of the form that will say what were the funeral expenses for your husband. He, I assume he had some cremation or funeral expenses. Is that right, Barbara? Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you'll yes, write And you'll write that down because those are – the most priority expenses that have to be paid in Connecticut when it comes to an estate. The funeral gets paid first. Okay. It is likely that the funeral expenses may exceed the cost of your car, for sure. Oh, yes. Right? And maybe even exceed the cost of your other bank accounts. I really don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. But there will be a form, and it will tell you funeral expenses, burial expenses, things like that. You'll write them down. And you will tell the court, here's the priority expenses I had to pay. Here's the assets I have. Your Honor, will you please 
allow me to pay those debts by making sure the car is transferred into my name so that I can sell it and pay off the funeral. And the, okay. and the court will do that. And you do that by means of this form PC-212. That's what it asks the court to do. Okay. And you don't have to file a full estate, and you don't have to be named executor, and you don't have to file a financial report or anything else. Now, I will say that even when you don't have to file an estate and become executor, Barbara, the law still requires you to file an estate tax return. Okay. Everyone in Connecticut, if they die with any property, they have to file an estate tax return. It's called a CT, write this down, CT mm-hmm. CT 706 NT. Okay. And you can also find that at ctprobate.gov. And it is very self-explanatory. You do not need a lawyer. Okay. And you just put the Kelly Blue Book value of the car, the date of death value of the accounts, and you put them down and you submit it to your local probate court. There may or may not be a fee. It's called a probate fee associated with filing the return. Depends how small the—it may be a couple of hundred dollars. It may be less. Okay. But that you have to do as a law-abiding citizen. That's the law. Okay. Does that make sense? Oh, Does that help? Absolutely. This is a big help. Is it a big, big help? help? I'm really glad. Uh, I'm, and I'm very sorry about your husband. Any other questions I can answer today? No, that that pretty much covers it. All right. Don't pay the credit cards, Barbara. They're not yours. We have a okay. lot of people. I have a lot of widows who have come to me, and they have said, I paid off all the credit cards, Your Honor, and now I don't have enough money to pay the bills to keep mm-hmm. to stay in the house. And what, and what I will say to them, Barbara, is I wish that you had not done that because probate judges can order spousal support from an estate to go directly to help the wife or the husband and children, and that will go ahead of a credit card debt. So even if, you had, if your husband had died and left you an estate and it had had some credit card debt, but your immediate costs to support the family required that the money that he left you be spent to that. You could have gone to a probate court and asked for that money to be spent on you and your kids versus the credit card. And that okay. happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Got legal questions? She's got the answers. It's time for Lisa on the Law. Now on WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. And welcome back to the show. 203-333-9422. It's Lisa on the law. Let's go to Cheryl. Hi, Cheryl. You're from someplace in Connecticut. Cheryl, hello. Yes. Hi, Lisa. Good morning. Yes. Good morning. How you doing? Good, good. <laughs> so how can I help you? What's your problem today? Hello. Okay. Um, well, basically, it's um, uh, a, a house issue um, with paint uh, blistering on my house. Um, it's been an ongoing issue since September of last year when I had the company first come out. Um, what they did was it's, it's a proprietary formula they put on the house, and it's supposed to last longer than regular paint products, and it carries with it a lifetime warranty. All right, so the short story is that um, after they applied this product, um, after a few hours, I ended up with uh, some blistering on the house, which they say is a common problem to have, but the blisters usually go away and everything is fine. Well, in my case, I ended up over the night into the next day, there were over 200 blisters all around the whole house, front, back, and the both sides. Okay, and so I contacted the company and they said, well, you must have a moisture issue the house was built in 57, and it's got cedar clapboards on it. So they said, what well, probably is you have a moisture issue somewhere in the house, and this is what's causing the blistering. And I didn't quite understand that because I could see if I had, like, a moisture issue in the bathroom where, okay, the specific area outside of the house would have these blisters on it. But I'm thought this is the whole house through the garage, the whole bit. So anyway, they had said to me, get a contractor out there, find out what the problem is, resolve it, and then we will come back and we will, you know, finish the job. So I did that. I had a, uh, I had two professional painters come out, and when I went back to this company and told them that none of them could find anything wrong, they said, well, no, no, what you need to do is get a building envelope contractor out there. A building envelope contractor basically is somebody that takes care of any issues on the outside of the house. The outside of your house is considered the envelope, so it would be like your windows, your garage doors, and, and all that. So I had this guy come out, and after two and a half hours there, he went through the whole house, the attic, the basement, did moisture readings. He wrote a three-page report saying that, no, there's no issues with your house. It would seem to me that whatever chemical solution they put on your house and then they power washed it, they either, number one, painted too soon while the boards were still wet mm-hmm. or, or, you know, with moisture in it, or they didn't get all of the chemical peel off, or chemical stripper off of it. And so what happens is this is a reaction. It causes all these blisters. 
So I sent the report, three-page report, up to this company, and they basically laughed and said, you got to be kidding. I don't know where you found this guy, but it's, it's you know, it's not our product. It's not our application. Um, so they're refusing to uh, accept that it could be something, you know, in their process. So what they wanted to do, this is um, like in November of last year, they wanted to come out repaint the house and walk away and void my lifetime warranty. And I said, no, that's not acceptable to me. I said, you know, I want to, and they said, well, what could we do to, you know, close this out? And I said, I'd like you to come back out, strip your whole product off my house, give me Mm -hmm. all my money back. And then you can keep your warranty, which I know is, you know, maybe an unreasonable request, but, um, you know, it, it, with them not being able to work with me, I feel that, you know, I, I want to get this product off my house now. So All that's right, kind of so, where I'm at. So, Cheryl, I just have a couple questions. So um, sure. the the original so-called application. So this company that you hired, did they bring people out to put this kind of a paint on your house? In other words, do they create the paint and do they apply the paint as well? Uh, yeah, it's um, it's a company that uh, they subcontract out to have, um, you know, a home improvement company come out and, and do the whole application process. And was so this application for purposes of giving your house a new color or an, the same yeah. color coat of paint? Okay. All right. Uh, All different, right. A different color, but... Yeah, um, basically the house needed some paint. It, it was over 10 years with the original paint on it. And so I said, well, you know, it's, it's time to make it look a little bit better. So, um, it, yeah, it was just in need of a paint job. And I said, well, you know, instead of going with vinyl siding, I wanted to keep the clapboards because they sure. were in very good condition. Right. But I guess yeah. what I'm asking you is, and this I really want to get to the Cheryl is, the, and then I have a ton of things to tell you, but... Um, my my question is, did you hire this company because they, instead of like going to, you know, Brandwins for Benjamin Moore or Sherwin-Williams or whatever, that they were saying that there was something about their paint that was a better paint yes. than an average paint? Okay. Yes. It's a proprietary formula. Um, it goes on like a lot thicker than a regular paint. Okay. And it's they they guarantee it. They supposedly stand by their product that it will, you know, last for for like twenty years. And they um, choose the contractor to apply it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So it's them, them, and them. And all right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's pretty obvious to me that your person who did this building envelope was probably right. That you know, in the application, if not the product itself. They screwed up. They obviously applied it when it was too wet to cause all the bubbling, right? I mean, they didn't do it right. Mm-hmm. That's pretty obvious. Okay. Correct. And you went back to them, and they said, once again, how did they offer to cure? They said they would take the paint off and do it over. Tell me what they offered again. No, what they what they are proposing is to come back out, yeah. uh, sand down all the blisters, prime okay. them, and okay. then put a final coat of paint over the whole house, repaint the whole house. And why? And have you have you gone to your building envelope contractor or painter that you trust and asked whether or not that will be an adequate solution? 
And he said, absolutely not. He said, what they have to do is they have to come out and remove all the existing paint. And because if you still have some of that chemical stripper on there, or if the boards were still a little damp when they painted, that, you know, that material is still on there. That all has to come off to get down to the bare wood again. And then you could reapply the coat if you, if, you know, I chose to go with it. He said, no, I wouldn't let them come and paint over it because now you're just painting over something that's still there that has to get removed first. Okay. So basically they want to put a Band-Aid on it, and your guy yes. says a Band-Aid is not going to work. We have to go back exactly. down to the beginning. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. And what would you say the difference in cost is? Has your contractor come up with a number about how much it will cost you to fix this problem? Um, no, I haven't gotten an estimate for that to be done, um, uh, at this point. So okay. I don't know how much it would cost. Okay. That's going to be really important. That's going to be really important. Okay. So I just want to give okay. you a little bit of an overview about home contractors in Connecticut, because Connecticut is really, really tough when it comes to home mm-hmm. contractors. So the first that's thing is, I've... yeah. You've been, you, you know that, right, Cheryl? Okay. So yes. The, okay, good. That's good because it's all about – it's very, very consumer-friendly. So the first thing is, and I don't have it in front of me and I don't want to look at it, but I want you to look at it, is do you have a written agreement with – what are we going to call this this painting contractor, the first one? What, let's give them a name. What, what kind of name should we give them so we know who we're referring to? What do you want to call them? Uh, company – uh, company, company A. <laughs> company A. Excellent. Company A. Do you have something in writing with Company A? Yes, I do have a contract, yes. And did, is Company A a licensed home contractor with the state of Connecticut? I don't know for sure if they are. Okay. That, Cheryl, I want you no, to have a they... pencil and paper now. You must write this down. I'm going to give you advice. The first thing okay, is... I com- know that... Yeah. I know that the company that actually, the, the home improvement company that actually did the work, yes. Yes, they are that's who I mean. Okay. okay, that's okay. important. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So the home yes, improvement company yes. that, that was contracted by Company A, they are a licensed home improvement contractor. That's critically yes, important. They... Okay, and the yep. reason, the reason yep. that's important is because in Connecticut, we basically have a strict liability statute that if you – have somebody come to your home and do work on your home that if they are not a licensed home contractor and they could be what they call a minor or a major one, depending upon painting and specifically, but either way, they have to be licensed. If they're not licensed and they uh, have to go to court as a defendant, they have strict liability. They're going to have to pay. So the first and most important thing is, so I'm glad that you know that they were licensed. That's very good. And just in general, that's very good that they were licensed. Mm-hmm. They have a license to protect. The second thing is, if you end up suing, we have, generally speaking, a small claims maximum of $5,000 in the state of Connecticut. And the reason why small claims is very important is because you don't need a lawyer. And that's really important because a lot of people, a lawyer, hiring a lawyer is a bar to actually ever going after something you think you're entitled to because it becomes too expensive to hire a lawyer. And you say, well, the heck with it. If I was going to spend that money on a lawyer, I might as well spend that same money to fix the problem. Right? So, exactly. Yes. So, yep. Right? So for small claims, very important to know that there's an exception in small claims court in Connecticut, and that's with home improvement contracts. 
Everybody else, if you want to sue in, in Connecticut, the maximum amount of damages you can go for is $5,000. But when it comes to home improvement, it's fifteen. So you can get okay. into small. So that's very. That's why I said you're going to need to know. You're going to have to put a dollar figure very quickly on what it's going to cost to make the solution to this problem because that's very important okay. for you to know. Okay. So, okay. Yep. all right. So whatever that number is, if it's not in excess of fifteen, or even if it is in excess of fifteen, but you're willing to go to court and and you know settle for fifteen if you win. That's the mm-hmm. other important thing to know. So it's 15000 for home contracting, 5000 otherwise for small claims. And the very important okay. thing to know is that when you, you're the plaintiff, if you're suing, if you're suing, you don't need a lawyer. But if you're the defendant and your defendant is a company, it's an LLC or a CO, it's, it's not a human, it's a company, that company has to have a lawyer to defend them in, in small claims. The individual contractor who might be the painter, cannot represent himself in a court of law. A company must be represented by counsel. Otherwise, they default. So if a company is sued, they have to figure out how to handle it because they can't handle it on the cheap by just having their guy come to court. The judge will not recognize it. Has to have counsel. Companies must be represented by counsel because they're not individuals. They cannot represent themselves pro se. So if you, this is just very important general law, Cheryl, very important to know. So if you end up suing a company, they may say, you know what? I'd rather pay this woman than have to pay a lawyer and pay this woman. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it? Okay. It's just, so this yeah, is just sort yeah, of general, general principles of law. Okay. So now, yeah. all right, where are we? I have to see what. Where are we? Hold on a minute. We're on live radio here. I could go on and on. That's my problem. Let me see. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we've only got a couple minutes more. Okay, so now to get to your specific problem. So your specific issue is that they are not coming up with a solution that you think is the solution that it's going to cost you. The first thing you have to do is remember that when it comes to any contractual claim, and I'm going to just speak to you like a lawyer here, and then we can talk about mediation. But the first thing to know is there has to be a duty to do something, a breach of the duty, and then a um, – so there has to be a contract in which there was a duty for these people to do something with the warranty that the workmanship was good and all of that, right? And they, in your, in your opinion, they breached the warranty, the workmanship was lousy, the product, the, the application came out defective. You've got lots of photos, I assume, of the blistering that you'd be able to show oh, a yeah. judge or a third party. Okay. So the first yes. thing is that yep. they had a contract to do something in a good way. They didn't do it in a good way. They breached the contract. So therefore, the question is, what are your damages? And you have to have the elements to all three. You have to have the contract, which you have. You have to have the breach, which you're alleging, right? You're alleging a breach. And then the third thing is damages. And your damages are that somebody else has to come in and make good. So you have to put it to them. You have to say to them, your offer to me is not adequate because here is is what my damages are. And you're going to come to them with some kind of um, statement from a licensed contractor in Connecticut in which you say this is what it's going to cost for me to, to make good. Now, they, they have a choice. They can either say okay, they can say no, 
Or they can say, we'll help you part of the way. If they, oh, say, if, okay. they say, if they say no, you could take it to the next level and go to small claims, right? Hopefully it's under mm-hmm. $15,000. If it's more than you're in a court of general jurisdiction, it's a very big number. If they mm-hmm. say yes partially, you can decide whether you'll take the money and say, okay, I'm going to take some money and I'm going to use it towards this next contractor that's going to fix my house, right? Or they can give mm-hmm. you the whole th- or they can give you the whole thing. Now, the other option I want to let you know is that all consumer matters, all consumer matters are governed by the Attorney General's Office of Consumer Protection. And we do have a division of consumer protection. You can go on the CT government portal and you can always make a complaint and try and get somebody to pay attention to you in the Attorney General's office or the Consumer Protection Office. I would say to you, good luck. Let me know how it goes, Cheryl. Right? Good luck and I don't know. Oh. Okay? I don't know. Right. Maybe, maybe they'll help you. Maybe they won't. I don't know. Just uh, one quick question. Um Say I did go to court and I did, you know, win and they say, yep, okay. Well, this company decides, well, we're not going to give you, we'll pay you like a thousand dollars a month for like, you know, it's uh, up to you to settle. You'll have to decide whether you want to settle that way. Oh, okay. All right. It'll be up to you. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you for the call. I hope I helped a little bit and gave you some general information. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.